From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition, I could have scripted the response to yesterday's horrific shooting in Nashville. You know, the shooter in this situation reported we had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. It's about time that we begin to make some more progress. That was President Biden, of course, calling for more gun control. All of this is because politicians in this chamber that have been bought and paid for by the NRA that put profits over people, over human lives. Cowards who wasted our time last week passing a parental bill of rights, not giving a about the rights of children to be able to go to their classroom without the fear of being gunned down due to senseless gun violence. That was Florida Congressman Maxwell Frost. Maybe, just maybe. It's not the instrument in the hand, but what has been fostered in the heart. This murderous rampage, this taking of innocent life, was a horrific crime, but more specifically, it was a hate crime. That was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. We're going to talk about this with Texas Congressman Michael Clout in just a moment. And how do we bring the focus of the conversation to where it needs to be? as we respond to yet another senseless tragedy? Well, we're going to talk about that with Nashville Pastor Scott McLeod a little bit later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of senseless killing, creating a culture of death, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was on Capitol Hill today talking, or rather taking issue, with Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's effort to get the military out of the abortion business by holding up military promotions. There are a number of things uh, happening globally that indicate that we could be uh, in a contest on any one given day. Uh, not uh, approving the, uh, the recommendation for promotions actually uh, creates a ripple effect through the force that makes us uh, far less ready than, than we need to be. Guess what, Mr. Secretary? It can be resolved right now by simply getting the military out of the abortion business. That's all that Senator Tuberville is trying to bring ish bring attention to. We're going to talk about it with Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin a little later here on Washington Watch. Had the House today working to ease the financial squeeze that many families are experiencing under the Biden policies by pursuing once again energy independence. It's about time we start standing up for America. I'm sick and tired of these people who wake up every day beating up America when nobody does it better than us. And by the way, when you're making things in America, it lowers the cost for families who are struggling under the weight of President Biden's failed agenda. That was House Majority Leader Steve Scalise talking about H.R. Uh, 5, which is in H.R. 1, which is on the floor. He's going to join us a little bit later to talk about the details of that bill. Our word for today comes from Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. The Lord's message to Ezekiel is that it is the Lord who calls us to speak his truth, and we often have to speak it to those who don't want to hear it. But he also conditions us, telling us not to fear the opposition or back down when we face it. We're to stand and speak his words. How can we do that in today's world, you ask? Well, Paul has the answer over in Ephesians 6, where he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. A 28-year-old biological woman who identified as a man shot and killed three children and three adults at a Christian elementary school in Nashville yesterday before being shot and killed by police. We had a few details yesterday when we began the program. Today we know a little bit more, but there's still a lot more left to be known. The shooter was a former student at the school and, according to Nashville police, left behind a manifesto, which has not yet been released. Will this uh, be a wake-up call? for our nation to, uh, to to go beyond the normal rhetoric of more gun control or more treatment for mental health to take our nation back to a point of where it needs to be, a recognition that as we have removed God from society, we see these results. There's so much that we need to turn back to and so much that we need to get rid of And if we keep having these same conversations, guess what? It's never going to happen. Well, join me now to discuss this in Morris Congressman Michael Cloud. He serves on the House Appropriations Committee. He represents the 27th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Cloud, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thank you. It's good good to be with you here today. I'm sure yesterday's shooting has been heavy on on your heart. Uh, Do do you agree that this is a crisis that we cannot police or uh, control our way out of by simply focusing on the instruments that are used in these senseless acts of violence? Yeah, ultimately, you know, there's not a single common denominator in instances like this. Uh, but if there is what we would see, oftentimes it's, it's the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown of society, uh, around these individuals. It, it, and it's really horrific, obviously, what's going on. We all want our kids to be safe, uh, in, in schools. But as you mentioned, you know, you go back, you talk to the old timers, so to speak, and a generation ago, and they would talk about how, you know, students would, go hunting after school and, uh, you know, just the the things that were happening. And so you have to ask the question, what's really transpired? What's really making the difference between where we are now as a society and where we have been in, in the past? And, you know, you can point to a number of different things. You, you know, we remember people praying in school and the Ten Commandments on the wall. And, you know, at the time, people would have said, you know, almost scoffed, like, hey, if you you know, take those things out. You're not going to see violence like this over schools and sure not overnight, but definitely we see, uh, you know, these things, these things transpiring in, in, in our schools and in our society. And it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's almost as if we're seeing our children and this is this again, we don't know all the facts, but we do know yeah, that this, uh, still early. this, uh, female biological female was attended this school when she was a child, her parents, uh, apparently she is in a, a, a Christian home. Um, what is leading to the radicalization that we're seeing of our, our, our children? I mean, it's it's not just what's happening in the home, but it's what's happening in the broader culture. And that's that's really never a part of this conversation. It always tends to be focused on the instrumentality, the, the instruments that are used. But if it's not guns, it'll be knives. If it's not knives, it'll be cars. If it's not cars, it'll be clubs. 
Well, sure. And, and, you know, we have to remember from a from a policy standpoint, from the government perspective, and, and a lot of this is understanding there's a number of institutions in society. And a lot of times what we see from the left is to make the government the end all and be all uh, almost a god in our society where the government has a certain a definite legitimate role. We should come back and we, you know, when people break the law and when they when they harm other people, we definitely need to to do something about that. Uh, but there's, there's roles for church and community and family and, and schools and, and, you know, they each play a, a different role and, you know, in, in bringing up kids and caring for them. And, and, and right now what we see is a number of these institutions have been taken over and we're, we're brainwashing our kids in, in, in so many ways and teaching them to hate the United States, teaching them to, to hate each other, people that are different from them, uh, you know, and, and to tear down those walls that we had built generations, literally of building trust. And yeah, we still had some some work to go uh, as a country, but and we see we we were so far along. You know, the most, if not one of the most diverse countries where we relatively live in peace, and we're seeing a bit of a retraction from that as these uh, really Marxist ideologies uh, get pushed in our schools and in our universities. But we've even seen the, the, the complexity of even reporting the story. I mean, yesterday, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the AP, which is kind of the, the gold standard, if you will, of the legacy press, reported that a woman uh, went in, a 28-year-old woman went in and, and, and shot three children and three adults. Well, you know, when it was found out she was transgendered, the, well, the story changed. In fact, to today's AP has no gender identification. And as you're reading through the story, it's trying to it's hard to try to figure out who's who in the story. In fact, in the uh, the USA Today, they ran a correction in their story today about how uh, it says Nashville law enforcement authorities have been. uh, Well, they actually said that they they had misgendered uh, this woman. Uh, And so they did a correction uh, that she is not a woman; she is a transgender man. I mean, th- this is mm-hmm. th- this is crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a part of the the moral and the social chaos that's being fueled in this country. Yeah, obviously the incident in itself and the lives that were lost uh, are horrific incident. Seeing the media's reaction to it uh, is, as you said, very absurd and kind of. Uh, showing the absurdity of the times really that we're in where, you know, you know, and really it's a departure from what we understood is there is truth in this world. Uh, you know, one of the committees I'm on in this COVID select committee investigating COVID origins and just how, you know, the, the pursuit of science was a pursuit of let's try to get the truth. And we saw that completely put to the wayside. And, and now we see, you know, in some of the basic idea ideas that we're being you know, there's just an abandonment of truth that if it doesn't fit into your political philosophy or what you're trying to get done from a political perspective, a lot of times you know, people just abandon that. And it, it creates confusion. It creates chaos in society. And, you know, it's it's really eroding the fabric of, of what's been truly so Congress, this wonderful American experiment. My, Michael, let me ask you this question. Then, I mean, you're a member of Congress. You look at facts. You make decisions, public mm-hmm. policies based upon those facts. I mean, that's that's how we have to operate. Right. How can we find real solutions if we don't have truth and we can't even agree on what truth is? 
No, and and that's the thing, and at least agree that there is a truth. You know, uh, b- before you know, you look at generation ago. We might disagree on an issue, but the discussion was trying to find a place of truth. Let's have this discussion until we figure out what's real, uh, and make our decisions based on that. But when truth becomes moldable and, and, and it can be whatever you want it to be. And people talk about your truth now and, and, uh, you know, it becomes whatever it needs to be in that circumstance to, to push your agenda forward. That's a very bad place to be as a society. And it certainly makes getting things done, uh, from a policy perspective, you know, across the aisle, so to speak. How do you find uh, common ground? How do you find common ground in that sense? Exactly. Yeah, there, there's a difference when you can, okay, we're looking at this from a different perspective. Let's work together to get to the same thing. But we can't even acknowledge that there is a truth to be found um, and that you're going to change truth. You're going to change science. You're going to change facts. You're going to change whatever it needs to be to fit whatever your uh, agenda is. Uh, then we have a, a really troublesome place in, in our society. Is that, so we have, is we have that to not where we are to the today? That there is a truth. That, that is totally where we are and it's what our many of our institutions uh our colleges are teaching um and it's it's we're seeing the effects of that now from a policy perspective in commerce as we have a a generation that's come up that that where truth is this really moldable thing uh and you know that doesn't mean that i know all of truth it doesn't mean that any one individual holds it but if we at least can acknowledge that there is a truth to be found then you can really have a debate and a discussion about that and work uh, through good faith to get there. It's time to return to the truth, uh, and that would be returning to God's truth. Congressman Michael Cloud, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good to see you. Thank you. God bless. All right, folks, stick with us. We're going to continue our conversation. We're going to be joined by a pastor from Nashville. That's coming up next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you uh, with us on this Tuesday, continuing our conversation about yesterday's heartrending tragedy in Nashville. Um, you know, again, this just provides another reminder of the direction of our country and how turning our backs on God leads to devastating consequences. And I know there, there are going to be those that mock that and, you know, let the mockers mock. But, you know, we need to have these conversations. Why is it, as we were just talking about with Congressman Cloud, why, why all of a sudden, why didn't we see this 20 years ago? Why did it be 30 years ago? Why, why are we seeing it today where almost every other week we're seeing some kind of shooting in a school? My children are being targeted. And, and again, the details are continuing to emerge, but it's not too soon to declare that our nation is in serious trouble, both morally and spiritually. And it's not going to be solved, as we've talked about before, here in Washington, D.C., with another piece of legislation restricting guns or something else until we go to the heart of the matter. But join me now to discuss this is Pastor Scott McLeod, uh, pastor of Harvest Sound in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, pastor Scott, welcome to uh, Washington Watch. Hey, great to be with you, Tony. So let me let me get your sense. Uh, you were a part of a prayer meeting last night, uh, outdoor prayer meeting. Uh, you're going to be a part of another one tonight. What, what's your sense of what's happening there in the community since the uh, the shooting yesterday? Yeah, well, there's obviously a, a great sense of of mourning and sorrow with this tragedy, unspeakable, heartbreaking, and uh, and yet there, yeah, there's a a surge of prayer and faith and even beauty coming out of the ashes already, and it's only been uh, you know a day or so into it. Uh, there was an extraordinary gathering last night where a Christian artist turned uh, her whole concert into a, a beautiful prayer and worship vigil, and it was remarkable. And 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 there's yeah, there's prayer and gatherings uh, surging all around the the region here locally, and people coming in and and showing such care and heartfelt concern. Uh, we're just really grateful, and, and we're, we're turning to God. That's that's where many people, there's a great community of faith here in Nashville, and, and people are truly turning to the Lord right now. You know, we've, we, we, we see this um, where there are those who will mock those who say, you know, we'll pray for you. And, of course, some are mocking, say, well, this is a Christian school. I guess they weren't praying enough. 
What would you say, you know, I mean, this was a Christian school. It was a a theologically conservative, Bible-teaching school. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's go beyond what we see with our eyes to what is really happening in in the spiritual. Is is this a glimpse of the battle that is raging over this country for our children? Yeah, I believe there's a a ferocious battle whenever something— great is getting ready to happen in the kingdom, the the devil goes after the children. He goes straight for the children. You see that with the deliverer, Moses, getting ready to set the captives free. And even Jesus himself, when he was, when he came to start his earthly ministry in human form, uh, they tried to take out the babies. I believe great things are on the horizon. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and uh, uh, I believe there's a, there's a rage against the children, especially. And, uh, us as parents, spiritual parents and parents, we need to really stand on guard and and do what it takes to uh, to cover our children with prayer and and with wisdom with what's what's partake what's happening in our society right now. Well, let's talk about that for a moment, Pastor Scott. We live in a culture that is increasingly hostile to biblical truth, and I'm sure yeah. that's going to be part of the narrative coming out of this with uh, this uh, biological. A 28-year-old woman who reportedly identified as a man that, yeah. you know, the narrative is going to be, well, it's because the church is, uh, is you know, won't, won't accept transgenderism. Not that we don't accept all people, but we, we do mm-hmm. not accept people making up their own genders because it's contrary to the teaching of Scripture. I think there are going to yeah. be some in the church that can say, yeah, we just need to back off teaching that part of the Word of God. Yeah, well... Uh, I think more than ever, we need to embrace the words of truth. We need to uh, hold fast to the sword of the spirit. And uh, we need to be willing to, to uh, swing the, sp- the sword of the spirit in such times and, and not just bow to the political pressure. Uh, we can see the fruit of what's happening when people turn from God and turn from the Bible. Uh, we see that people are given over to it. A, a delusion when they don't love the truth. And we see that in our society right now, people are literally being given over to a, a delusion and uh, that they're believing lies and right is becoming wrong and wrong is becoming right. And we need the Bible to be our, our guide and our, our moral compass. We need God to be our heavenly father, our protector. And we turn from that and, and it gets dark real quick. We, we, as the people of faith are, are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we just have to be who God's called us to be. And we can turn this whole thing around and God's going to uh, use these, these opportunities, even of great sorrow, I believe to uh, bring many to the Lord. So are you saying this is the time that we speak truth with even greater clarity? Because mm-hmm. as Jesus said, the truth is what will make you free. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, the, the days of, of, uh, leaving a void, a vacuum in society, and, and le- really uh, not doing our job, our responsibility, which is to speak the truth and love into society, regardless if it's popular or not. I mean, we are at a time right now where we have to step up to the plate uh, for, the, for the sake of our children, but even our, our, our entire nation, our culture, without the light being uh, shining and without justice and mercy and, and the things that the Bible so clearly articulates and, and gender issues and all the things, the Bible, it's all there. And we just have to be willing to to take a stand on that truth and we will see great victory. Even in such shaking times, we can see clarity 
uh, return to the right. people. Uh, Pastor Scott, uh, very quickly, 30 seconds left. How can our viewers and listeners be, be praying for uh, the, the families and the folks in Nashville? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for, for your care and your prayer. Uh, I, I, I just think be led by the Lord. And uh, if there's a, a way to give or to help, just uh, follow the, the leading of the Lord. There's uh, plenty of compassion efforts that are rising and standing with the victims, families, and, and with this school and church. And uh, we just believe God's gonna doing wonderful things. We're already seeing a, a surge of righteousness coming out of the darkness in our city. Right. And it's beautiful. We will, uh, we will certainly be encouraging folks to do that, and we'll be doing it as well. Uh, Pastor Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Tony. God bless you. Thank All you. Right. All right, folks, stick with us on the other side of the break. In the Senate, the defense secretary pushing back against Senator Tommy Tuberville's efforts to end abortion in the military, at least the abortion push by the Pentagon. We'll talk to uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. Don't go away. We're back after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. You might remember last week, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville joined me here on Washington Watch to highlight his efforts to stop the military's extreme and, quite frankly, possibly illegal abortion policies. Actually, I think they are illegal. Uh, and I commend the senator's principled stand for life and for the Constitution and the role of Congress. But not everyone agrees. He, uh, his stand has drawn a few detractors. Uh, among Democrats in the Senate, but also 
Uh, Today at the Senate Armed Services Committee hearing, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin claimed that the hold that Senator Tuberville has placed on military appointments is a threat to national security. Now, here's one way uh, this could be resolved overnight. Go back to the other policy that the military has been operating under, where it is not shipping people across the country paying for abortions. That's one way to take care of it very quickly. Well, join me now to, uh, to discuss this and more about our nation's military. FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent the last four years of his 36-and-a-half-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon. He was also one of the original members of the Army's Delta Force. General, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tony. I'm glad to be with you. So, uh, so far, 160 senior military appointments have been held up, and they're not being held up completely. It's just they have to go through the regular order. Each one has to be individually voted on. So it, it, it really grinds the Senate to a halt, which, frankly, I don't think is a bad thing. But is this uh, an endangerment to our nation's military, as uh, the secretary said today? No, I, it is not. Uh, it In the military, as you well know from your time in the military, you don't replace somebody until you have a replacement for them, which means the person holding that slot stays there until he has a replacement. This whole thing is, uh, is, is I think it's more propaganda than anything else. They, they want the American public to believe that Tuberville and uh, and his maybe some of his cohorts uh, are intentionally reducing readiness. But if you listen to what Tuberville says, he's talking about not allowing them to use taxpayer dollars right. to for abortions. That's the whole crux elective, of what he's doing. Elective abortions. Yes, which right. is against the law. Right. So he's just holding the military accountable to what the law is. But I'd also go back for the, to his, uh, his interview with us last week where he said that according to the military's own testimony, only about 20 of these abortions took place previously. So it's not right. like this threatens military readiness. So they have to take these extreme measures mm-hmm. of violating the law to acquire abortions for these women. That's right. And combine that with everything else that we've seen in the last two plus years, the uh, woke agenda and the mandated vaccines and all of that. And uh, and ask yourself, are we really building a, a capable military or are we uh, are we focused on other things which have nothing to do with the readiness of our military and their capabilities to win the nation's wars? Well, actually, I want to play today in the Oversight Committee in the House. Uh, Congressman Clay Higgins made this comment in his remarks. Play clip 14. In society, woke is a social discussion. But in the military, woke is weak. And that's the problem. Would you uh, agree with that statement, General? I, I don't know this guy, but I like him. He's from Louisiana. I could tell by his accent. I mean, the, the military is saying this stuff is not detracting from its primary mission. But I, I would say that this abortion, this fixation with abortion is a detract is detracting from the major mission of the military. They could move forward tomorrow if the secretary of defense would simply exactly. say we're going to obey the law. That's exactly right. 
if they did what Tuberville is, is, is asking them to do, which is the right thing to do because I believe, as you do, that uh, if they took this to court, I don't think that uh, DOD could sustain this position right. because of the Supreme Court. But, but this administration is, is almost lawless yeah. in, in the way they pursue their radical agenda when it comes to the abortion issue and the transgender issue. That's exactly right. And, and this, this whole transgender thing, uh, it is beyond me to understand what they think this contributes to the readiness of our military. It does. What does it contribute? And by the way, if you're the commander in chief, every decision you make about the military ought to be made after you've considered how does it help us? How does it help us to win the nation's wars? It is not. A, a, a lab for experimentation. It is a, it is a place for you to train up men and women to be able to go and, and, and defeat our enemies. And what we're doing is we're wasting precious time that we should be using to train these people and to get them ready at maximum readiness to be able to launch on a moment's notice and, and fight and win the wars. And that is not what we're focused on. And what's happening is... People are coming out demoralized. They're leaving the military service. Or more importantly, they're not going in the military service. Right. And I don't care what Austin says. I talk to a lot of people. Well, the numbers speak for themselves. That's right. They are not able to meet their recruiting numbers. Yeah. General Hoyt, great to talk with you. Good to be with you. Thanks for being here. Folks, I would encourage you to, to weigh in with Senator Tuberville and thank him for his bold stand. And we've got a, a pledge petition of prayer and support for him. You can sign it. Just simply text the word PROTECT, PROTECT to 67742 or go to TonyPerkins.com. It's on the page there, and we're going to get that to him. Thousands have already done it. Add your name to it. All right, when we come back, the majority leader in the House, Steve Scalise joins us. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make the difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Again, uh, let me encourage you to uh, sign our petition that is going to Senator Tuberville, telling him, hey, good job. We're with you. Keep fighting for the unborn and for the rule of law in our nation's military. As General Boykin pointed out, this, this, the the wokeness that is uh, taking over our military is keeping men and women out. It's a fact. Okay. So anyway, text the word protect, protect to six seven seven four two, six seven seven four two. The word protect, or go to tonyperkins.com, and uh, you can sign the petition there. Well, yesterday I discussed the uh, House Republicans' plan to lower energy costs for working American families. Well, President Biden's White House already announced that they will veto any such plan, despite despite the skyrocketed, skyrocketing energy prices that have taken a toll on working families since this administration took over. Once again, we see the Biden administration completely captured by the agenda of the left. Joining me now to discuss this and more is the House Majority Leader, Steve Scalise. He represents the 1st Congressional District of my home state of Louisiana. Steve, welcome back to the program. Always great to be back with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Uh, So when I stepped into the studio, the bill was still on the floor regarding uh, energy. Uh, What's the status? Yeah, the debate just started a little while ago. It's going to go through today, tomorrow. And then we're going to vote on it on Thursday. So we have a number of amendments we're working through. We'll have those votes tomorrow. But you're going to see a healthy debate on the House floor these next few days about how you can lower energy costs for families. Everybody in America knows we're paying too much at the pump, 40 percent higher at the pump because of Joe Biden's attack on American energy. Families are also paying 20, 30 percent more in their household electricity costs. Plus, Tony, this permeates every other part of our economy. One of the biggest drivers of inflation are high energy costs, and we can fix it. We've got a bill to fix it. And whether Joe Biden just issued a veto threat, as you pointed out, Chuck Schumer said he doesn't want it. I guess Chuck Schumer wants us to be dependent on foreign countries like Russia, Iran, Venezuela for our energy, for God's sake. 
Uh, but ultimately, I think most Americans, Republican, Democrat, they want lower energy costs and they want to make more things in America. And this is a way to do it. Now, see, this is, a, as I understand, it, this is a comprehensive bill. This is something Republicans have been uh, noodling for quite some time. It's not just something that uh, popped up in the last couple of months. This is something that even when you're in the minority, it's a it's a compilation of multiple bills uh, to try and move our economy forward with lower energy costs. Yeah, Tony, it's a major energy package. Again, the Lower Energy Costs Act is about 20 different bills from three major committees, the Energy and Commerce Committee, the Natural Resources Committee, and the Transportation Committee. And we pulled all these bills together that are focused on different areas of energy production. What is holding back American energy production and making us more dependent on foreign countries? A lot of it is Biden administration policies, but there are also laws, too. So what we wanted to do is streamline the permitting process. You know, right now, you might have to go through four or five different federal agencies. And a lot of these radical groups that just don't want American energy, they'll go to the Corps of Engineers. Then they'll go to the Department of Interior. They'll abuse the Endangered Species Act. They use agency after agency to stop you from getting a permit to build a pipeline or to get a lease on federal property to produce energy. And so we, we create a one-stop shop. So you actually have a one place to go. You have to follow all the rules. But we put these bureaucrats on a shot clock. Because, look, if a federal agency reaches out to you and says, hey, we need information from you, they're not going to say whenever you can get it to us. They might say, give, it, give me the information in the next 20 days. Uh, yet you can send them information and request a permit. You might not hear back for months or years. And so we put the federal bureaucrats on a shot clock, just like they put everybody else on one, so that you can get answers in a timely basis. But also, let's allow our country to build things like pipelines. It's hard to move energy around if you don't have pipelines. Biden has been blocking the, the production of pipelines in America, too. So we're opening up all different forms of American energy, including uh, critical minerals. You can't make even computer chips uh, with minerals in America because Biden shut that off, too. So we become dependent on countries like China right. for minerals, for batteries. No reason for it. Let's open up American energy and produce more things in America. I mean, not only with this reduce the financial burden on families, making food more affordable, gas in their cars more affordable because we're producing it here at home in greater abundance. But it, it's interesting to watch the Democrats on this calling H.R. 1 Pollution Over People Act, when America actually we are better environmentally when it comes to producing energy than some of these countries we are now having to turn to. Yeah, Tony, you're exactly right. And in fact, if you look at pollution, it's Democrat policies that have created more pollution. Because when Joe Biden shuts down the Keystone Pipeline, for example, he's not against all pipelines. He's just against American pipelines. He greenlighted Putin's pipeline from Russia to Germany. Uh, when he shut down production of leases, canceled lease sales in America, he greenlighted and literally flew Air Force One over to Saudi Arabia and begged them to produce more oil. Nobody has better standards than us in America. And you know this, Tony. Uh, there are liberals and extremists up here in Washington who wake up every day, and their first thought is, how do they bash America? And they will never acknowledge that nobody does it better anywhere in the world. Because if we're not producing oil in America, go look at the standards that Iran has or Venezuela has. If you want to see what pollution looks like, go to China, where they're building a new coal plant every week. And that's who Biden wants to be dependent on. And so if you want to reduce carbon emissions, you want to clean up the atmosphere, make more things in America. And yet that's what the far left, they, you know, they, they don't want American energy, but they're OK 
getting energy from foreign countries. Uh, I think people are fed up with that. And by the way, we also repeal some big taxes in this bill. We repeal President Biden's natural gas tax. You know what that means? For families that are paying too much in their household electricity costs, it's a $6 billion rebate to hardworking families in the form of lower energy costs on their household electricity bills. That's just one component of this Lower Energy Cost Act. Now, Steve, I know you got to get back to the, uh, to, the, to the House floor here in just a moment. But the Republicans, and I commend you and, and the Speaker for pushing forward with the very things you said you were going to do. And, and I'll have to say, after being here 20 years in Washington, observing the process, that's not always the case. Last week, you pushed forward with one of the, uh, the key bills that you said you were going to do, the Parental Rights uh, uh, Parental Bill of Rights Act. Uh, it passed the House, probably going to be set on in the Senate and not moved. But, but I, re- I want to get you to comment on two things in the few minutes you have left with us. Number one, that bill. But there's also a connection with the tragedy, I think, that happened yesterday in Tennessee and Nashville, something that I'm sure is heavy on your heart. But allowing parents to be more involved in the lives of their children and making critical decisions for them and not allowing them to be indoctrinated and being misled by by a system that has a value set that, quite frankly, is far removed from where many families are today. Yeah, Tony, it's it's so sad. When you hear a tragedy like this, I know you and I both, our first thought is to pray for the victims and the families. Uh, unfortunately, you see more and more on the left, their first thought is how can they exploit a tragedy for their own political gain? That, that's, it's a disgusting way to to, to ex- look, look at something like this. But at the same time, uh, I think you also recognize that over time, the left has tried to push God out of schools, push our values out of, uh, out of all public places. And, and you see a breakdown uh, in society because of it. So we've got to get back to those, those basic conservative principles that have made this country great. Um, you know, let's confront some of these problems. The Parents' Bill of Rights was a really good example. Uh, Julia Letlow's bill went through the Education Committee and says parents ought to have a say in their kids' education. And I'll tell you, for people across the country, and you've got people watching from every state, it's really disturbing to see that not a single Democrat was willing to join us and say parents ought to be able to see the curriculum uh, of their kids' education. They, they, they shouldn't be able, to be, be able to play a role in their kids' education just because the union bosses told them to vote no. Uh, I think it's sad that not a single Democrat would stand up for kids against union bosses, but we did. And we passed that bill over to the Senate. Uh, let your voices be heard. Pick up the phone and call your senator and say, you know, I'm a parent. I ought to have a say in my kid's education. Pass the Parents' Bill of Rights. Again, I, I commend you uh, and the Republican leadership for pushing forward on the promises that were made. I think you're setting a new bar, a new standard of anticipation. When you say you're doing something, you're going to do it. And we hope yeah. Just we'll go have, do what you said you would do. Exactly. But I hope I hope that you'll soon have uh, some folks on the other side of the Capitol that be willing to work with you and move these things forward. And we'll have somebody that can sign them into law. Yeah, we're sending a lot of really good bills over to the Senate. Uh, we did pass a bill dealing with crime in communities in D.C. especially to get control over the as violent criminals being let out, walking the streets the day after they're convicted of violent crimes. As crazy as that sounds. And the president initially said he was against it. And people spoke up. We passed the bill through the House. Senators started listening to their constituents. And ultimately, they passed the bill. And the president, even though he originally said he was against it, 
just last week signed that bill into law. So it shows you the power of people getting involved in the legislative process. We're going to keep following through on the promises we made, and that's a refreshing thing. It shouldn't be rare in Washington, but if it was, it's time we change that paradigm and now let the people across this country get engaged so that they demand more out of their elected officials, especially right now in the Senate as we're passing these bills to them. Well, that's where we pick it up, and we'll take it from there and make sure that they uh, they hear from folks across the country. Congressman Steve Scalise, always great to see you. God bless. Thanks, Tony. All right, Congressman Steve Scalise, the majority leader in the House. And by the way, you can weigh in with the Senate. Here's the Senate switchboard number, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And uh, you can call. Tell them what state you're from. They'll connect you with your senators, and you simply tell them you would like to see them support the Parents' Bill of Rights that gives parents rights in the education of their children. It's long, you shouldn't have to have a law to do this, but with what's happened in our country and our culture over the last few decades, it's necessary. Again, that number, 202-224-3121. All right, I'm going to go to one of our Washington stand our senior reporter and editor, Ben Johnson, on the latest out of uh, the Nashville. It's a story he's been tracking, uh, more information being released. And so, uh, uh, Ben, welcome back to, uh, to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. So according to the Metro Nashville Police Department spokesman, Don Aaron, police found writings uh, with school shooter Audrey Hale's body as well as in her car. Now, they say there's a manifesto. Uh, what, what's the latest? What do we know? Well, we know that the manifesto is long. We know that it's detailed. And we know from uh, Chief, Police, Chief of Police John Drake that uh, she resented having to go to Covenant Christian School. So although she may not have targeted the individual children whom she shot, whom she would not have known because she was there a decade earlier, she certainly did target the institution. Uh, we, it's unclear, though, if they're going to publish the manifesto. Uh, they've said that they will not release it as long as there's an ongoing investigation, uh, which is seemingly out of uh, keeping with the way that other mass shootings have been handled. Certainly, there was no trouble releasing the manifesto of Dylan Roof when he shot a church in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, nor of Anders Baring Breivik when he shot uh, a ch- children's camp in Norway, or Patrick Crucius, who shot a Walmart in El Paso. Uh, but the head of the log cabin Republican said there could be, quote, serious consequences for publishing this manifesto. And the head of PFLAG told Newsweek, and this is Newsweek's wording, quote, publication of these documents could increase the risk of contagion. Could that be because it involves this whole issue of gender confusion? Well, they certainly had no trouble, uh, for example, looking into the motivation of the January 6th uh, rioters. So um, I remember General Milley saying he wanted to understand the nucleus of rage that motivated these people. So it seems that this particular uh, issue seems to be the only thing that's setting this apart. Now, a a former middle school basketball teammate of uh, Audrey Hale provided some chilling details regarding an exchange that she had on social media Uh, with the shooter prior to yesterday. What do we know about that? Uh, She was messaged at about 9.57, just a few minutes before this began, that uh, this uh, Audrey Hale signed it, Audrey with uh, parentheses Aiden, the uh, name with which she identifies, saying that she didn't want to live anymore and something terrible was going to happen. She was going to take steps to to bring about a tragedy. 
So she contacted her father, who uh, told her to contact the authorities. The teammate contacted the authorities, and they gave her the non-emergency number. No one showed up until that afternoon. So what could have uh, been a, a wellness check just as she was leaving, uh, completely decked out with uh, multiple assault weapons on her body, uh, would have uh, obviously prevented this uh, from happening. And unfortunately, it was simply delayed because it was considered to be a non-emergency and merely a suicide check. Uh, ben, final question for you. We've got about 30 seconds left. The, the, the way the media has handled the gender issue at first, clearly it was a young 28-year-old woman. Uh, then, as somehow she was identi identified as a transgendered male, confusion seemed to reign in the reporting. Well, it certainly did. CNN went back and stealth edited its report uh, to remove all gender references. Uh, CBS News says that it's still looking into the way that uh, uh, Hale identified uh, with uh, her gender. Uh, for, when it was uh, first reported, obviously they reported that it was a woman uh, because that was clearly the uh, the case in terms of biology. But uh, later on, they've gone back and apologized in some cases. But this seems to be the dominant narrative from the media, that they're more concerned about the way that she looked into her own gender rather than the uh, perhaps the motivation that uh, led her or, to shoot this or even the victims or even the victims of the crime. It's uh, it's horrendous in and of itself. Ben Johnson, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. And folks, you can uh, read more of uh, Ben's work at the Washington stand and uh, you can find links. Go to Tony dot com. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.